having that anxiety when you're in a situation like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? If I'm getting gas, what if somebody comes up and they grab me and my pump's still in my car, you know? But let's, okay, let's think about that worst case scenario. Let's get dramatic with it. Like make it right. as horrible a situation as you can. How do you prep for that? How can you change just daily yeah. habits so you feel more prepared? And, you know, to your point with international travel, especially, you know, by yourself. Hello, it's Livy Redden. Welcome back to Today is the Future. Today, I have on Kaylee Billerbeck. She is a 26-year-old second-degree level three black belt in Taekwondo. And she's also trained in kickboxing and Muay Thai. She became a certified instructor at age 16 in these areas. And she was teaching all ages until she went to college at Chapman University, where she got her bachelor's in psychology. And after graduating, she was living in Mexico and she passed out drunk on a beach in Mexico while living there and had all of her things stolen. And in that point, she was just like, what, like, what am I doing? And, and came up with the idea of what she does now and learned from that experience and combined all of her martial arts expertise into creating Everyday Armor, which is her company that covers mental, situational and physical self-defense for women that have little to no experience with self-defense de to help them live their life more confidently and, and feel more safe in their day-to-day -day life. And I, I really enjoyed our conversation for a few reasons. One, we talk a lot about a lot of like the viral information you see on TikTok, Instagram, about how to stay safe as a woman, how to like notice quote, signs of sex trafficking are actually really incorrect and unhelpful and are more so made for virality and like striking fear into people than they are for actually helping you. And so we kind of deconstruct a lot of this really crappy information that you've been fed. And we also talk quite a bit about how to stay safe as a woman if you want to travel more or solo travel even. Um, and how you can do that more safely. She gives some really, really great tips that I think will be so helpful. And it's applicable to anyone solo traveling, but I think specifically women, there is a level of having to think about these things a bit more, unfortunately. And then a few other things we talk a bit about what she learned growing up learning martial arts, how it sort of created who she is now. And finally, we talked a bit more about minimizing. We both shared myself and Kaylee shared ways to minimize your overthinking and to keep your cool in like really stressful or even sketchy situations and how you can reduce anxiety when tensions are rising or just so you can be more in tune with your intuition to help keep you safe. So myself and Kaylee as well share some tools on, on how to do that. So please enjoy this episode. This is such a great episode. I haven't talked about these things specifically on the podcast yet. So I'm really happy that Kaylee reached out and that we could have this conversation to provide y'all with the with this information because I think it's so important. So please enjoy. Uh, if anything really hits home, please DM me on Instagram, just at Livy Redden. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you feel like this is a helpful episode, please share it with those you love. I think this is really important. I think this is really important information that a lot of people just don't know. So please share this with people that need to hear it and we'll hop into it. 
So I know you grew up learning martial arts. You started in the third grade. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious because I feel like I had friends that did martial arts growing up. And I feel like I remember going to like seeing some of their practices and stuff. And it's a it's like a very unique environment for a young person to be in. Cause there's just like a lot of discipline involved and a lot of like body control and a lot of like trust even in their instructors or the people around them. So I'm curious, like just from the get-go, how you feel like starting to learn martial arts from a young age sort of shaped who you are now and some of like the main lessons you feel like you learned. Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, when I first started, honestly, to be totally transparent, I was so embarrassed. I thought it was like, so not cool. I was in like third grade and I was, I remember, I remember I would like put on my spandex and like a big t-shirt and I would sprint inside just so people wouldn't see me. Like I'm from a small town. So I was like, I don't want people to see me doing this. And then, you know, as I got older, I think, and I, I played basketball, I played soccer and you know, those are amazing sports. I think they teach a very different set of skills, but it became pretty apparent to me that, you know, with martial arts training, it teaches you to be so aware of your own body. I think, especially as women, it gives you an extra layer of confidence too, that sometimes we don't even know we need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not to say like when I would spar, I feel like I would get the the shit kicked out of me, you know, like I'm sparring grown men. and, And I think I started the adult class when I was like 10 or 11. So, I mean, it's not like I was out here like beating grown men up, but you know, it just does give you that layer of awareness and confidence. And it just teaches you to have quick reaction skills to be very alert. Mm. You know, again, just kind of going back to even sparring when you're sparring a large man, right? (laughs) They have a larger wingspan than you. They're stronger than you. So it's like, okay, what is, what's my skill, you know, and how can I be quick and see these moves coming at me and maneuver that? So you know, looking back and when I got older, I really started to kind of see just how that played into how I see myself situationally, spatially as an adult. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really empowering feeling, feeling like you are, you know, in, in, in control as you really can be in a lot of, uh, Mm -hmm. in a lot of situations. Like, um, I, I think it's very similar to, um, you know, I had the, blessing of being able to travel a decent amount when I was young. And I feel like the way Mm -hmm. my parents went about it, taking us with them, they were very intentional, intentional about teaching us like street smarts, essentially. Like, for example, like if we were in, if we were in New York and we wanted to buy something like from a street vendor, they would give us the cash. I'm like eight. And they'd be like, go heckle with the street vendor. Like go get $5 off. And I like, (laughs) and it was like, just things like that. It's, it's, um, it's very empowering to know how to handle those situations or like, Uh, I remember from a young age, my dad telling me, and I heard you mention this on another podcast, the importance of, um, you know, especially if you're uh, alone. But I mean, it's applicable for men as well. If you're in a sort of like sketchy environment of not avoiding eye contact with the people around you, like looking up. And I've definitely been in situations where instead of my reaction being flight, it's, it's immediately like, I'm going to address the people around me. If there's someone like sort of weird, 
that's like walking by me or they look a little bit like they're trying to approach me and I don't really want that. I feel very confident uh, in my ability to address them. And I feel like that's something that mm-hmm. um, I, I don't even think I would have learned had I not had the blessing of traveling. And I, and I feel like a lot of people don't. And so like being yeah. able to learn it uh, in an environment, especially with other young people, I feel like is is just awesome. Yeah. Where where did you travel to? Like, was it more U.S.? Did you guys go internationally? Um, we did a lot of uh, a lot of U.S. We went to New York City a lot because we were we're a big tennis family, okay. so we would go to the U.S. Open. Um, and you you definitely so get into cool. some unique situations in New York City. And then mm-hmm. we went just more like like uh, we never went super international, but more like those beach areas like Bahamas, Jamaica, Hawaii. Costa Rica, yeah. like those kind of things. That's awesome. I've only ever been to Mexico. So the Mexico and the US. So it's always interesting to hear, yeah. you know, people's travel experiences, but I can totally see where that would help just in everyday life, you know, being aware of those things, being able to navigate, you know, like you said, you know, going up and trying to like haggle somebody on the street and having those street smarts. Yeah. It's, it's, it really is applicable in everyday yeah, life. Definitely. And uh, I mean, I think that's a perfect pivot into a question I had for you was, I think a lot of women, and you've traveled a lot teaching what you teach, and I think a lot of women, young women specifically, want to travel, but it's it's a little scary, especially if you Mm -hmm. haven't really much growing up. So I'm curious what tips you have as far as creating additional safety, traveling as a woman, And like, is it a bad idea to solo travel as a young woman? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Great question. I, you know, I think that a lot of, especially what we teach kind of comes down to like safety is not one size fits Mm -hmm. all. There might be somebody who's absolutely terrified of traveling alone. And I would never encourage that person to go you know, travel to a new city by themselves. I would say start small, Right. right. You know, because so much of of that, that safety and self-defense does come down to confidence. So if you're not feeling super confident in that situation, don't feel like you have to dive in, you know, head first into something, just start small. You know, maybe that's a staycation you go and do by yourself. Maybe it's just dinner by yourself. And the more confident you get with that, you also start to kind of learn, like, how do I like to operate when I'm by myself? So for me, I don't really love to lift an Uber that much. I always get a rental car. I like feeling in control of where I'm going, having also just the flexibility with my time. Even if it's sometimes a seven hour drive, I'll opt for that over an hour flight. So, you know, you just kind of have to know like what's going to help me to feel the most in control, the most safe. Mm. And again, how can I start a little small? And I always tell people, especially if you're traveling like international really look at your transportation, even city to city, you know, to your point with New York, if I'm going to travel to New York, that's a very different transportation system than here in Orange County, California, you know? So how would I navigate that? What do I feel comfortable with researching those things? So you feel a step ahead and, you know, with kind of where to stay, I'd say if you're not feeling the most safe and comfortable with it, especially maybe don't go do something like, you know, a hostel, I would maybe look at some kind of hotel and what area is it in? Where are you going to feel comfortable? And, and just looking up the safety for that hotel as well. Like I will never stay 
in a motel by myself or anywhere that has the rooms facing outside. It's just not something that I feel Mm. super comfortable with. And I like to sleep sound. So just kind of getting in touch with, you know, where do you feel comfortable? And again, not feeling like, okay, I'm going to go work on this. So I have to just dive in head first, like just, you know, take it step by step. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And an additional question with that. So you mentioned like, for example, like not staying in a, in a motel that is like outside facing. Are there any other specific things like that that you do as you travel? Just because I, I'm thinking of my own perspective and sometimes I'm not great at having like attention to detail. And if I'm being honest, that's mm-hmm. something like I would not even think of. Um, and so I'm curious, like in the, like a little bit more in the details like that, like, do you have any other specific things? Yeah. I mean, I know this sounds like such common sense, but I especially lately have seen all these videos about like, and I actually had this happen where somebody tried to come into my room and something as simple as just making sure that you put both of the deadlocks on, you know, the one on the door and then the overhead latch. There's even like tools that you can get, like alarms that go into the door. If you're really feeling unsafe. But yeah, I always try to stay on like the second floor. It's just less accessible when you're walking through. If something feels off or strange or you don't want somebody to see what room you're staying in, you know, just keep walking. You can go down the emergency exit, just really being aware of those things. When I get a rental car, if if I'm traveling somewhere, like I've been places like, you know, even Memphis in the middle of the night and I have, it's called Avis Preferred, that is the company right. that I use. And I'll scroll through to find, you know, a Tennessee license plate because I don't want to, you know, look like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb and like, I don't know where I'm from. So just, you know, yeah, little kind of things like that, that, and I think a lot of it comes from, you know, again, just trusting your gut, like with the, the hotel stuff, if you're walking into your hotel room and something feels weird, you know, don't be afraid to keep walking. Don't question that gut instinct. And I think so many women, especially do question that gut instinct because we think we're being dramatic or we're overreacting. But in reality, it's like, okay, what's going to help me feel more in control in this situation? So, you know, all those little details. And I know that sometimes like when people will check you in, they'll even say, hey, you're going to be in this room and they're not supposed to, but I have had it happen before. If that's the case, if you just ask like, hey, sorry, I I just want to make sure nobody knows what room I'm in. Can you just, you know, give me a different room? Don't be afraid to ask those questions. You have to stand up for yourself and what's going to help you feel safe. Yeah. I love all of that. And I mean, because I've I've traveled quite a bit, but I haven't traveled solo that much. And I think there's mm-hmm. quite a bit more, especially if I was going internationally, I think I would, I feel like I would be pretty comfortable in the US, but like internationally, if I was traveling alone, I feel like there's definitely more I would need to learn. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love those specific details. And I think just thinking about like the way, the fact that you are traveling the, alone, the way that changes the the dynamic of what you're doing. Because I feel like for me, I might think like, well, this is how I normally do it. Like if I'm with my family or friends and like, I don't really need to do anything beyond that. But I think there is Mm -hmm. not, I mean, not that you're being fearful or worried, but just like, there's a little bit more like safety check that kind of needs to go on. I feel like regardless if you're like a man or woman even, I feel like when you are alone in a foreign place, like there is additional safety mm-hmm. that kind of needs to be taken. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that so often, you know, I like to tell people like thinking about these things, we want people to live life, you know, but it's just thinking about these things helps you ultimately feel more prepared instead of necessarily scared, you know, right. instead of having that 
anxiety when you're in a situation like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? If I'm getting gas, what if somebody comes up and they grab me and my pump's still in my car, you know? But let's, okay, let's think about that worst case scenario. Let's get dramatic with it. Like make it as horrible a situation as you can. How do you prep for that? How can you change just daily habits so you feel more prepared? And, you know, to your point with international travel, especially, you know, by yourself, I think, again, coming back to what are different norms I can research. I know when I lived in Mexico, my host family was like, please never get a rental car. There are specific markings on the car. And it doesn't mean people are going to try to necessarily like, you know, traffic you or something. It's Mm. more of just, they know that's a rental car. They know that they could pull you over and probably try to finesse you, you know, a situation to try to get money from you and stuff like that. And they will Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah. So just little things like that helps you feel a step ahead and and more in control so you can enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love that perspective that you take of, uh, so much of teaching these self-defense skills is about not living in fear or anxiety and and having mm-hmm. that additional confidence. And one thing I hear you speak about often is as women, a lot of us tend to struggle with, myself included, you know, confrontation or being very direct and straightforward as and and especially like not like I feel like we can we can get to a point where like okay I need to be straightforward but like doing it immediately when you're like yeah. when the thought crosses your mind of like I will be straightforward now and my yeah. question to you would be what do you work with like do you have any specific exercises you do with specifically like college students to like help them build some of that confidence of dealing with you know either someone approaching them in public um, or leaving to need a needing to leave a situation, ways that they can do that with more confidence and allow themselves to take charge in the way that they need to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the first most important thing, you know, like you said, you know, I struggle with it sometimes too, like having that confrontation. And when we really sit and look at it a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times it does kind of boil down to this innate fear of what are people going to think of me? What are they going to say about me? And we're social creatures, you know, we want people to like us. So I think really the first layer of that, we talk about this with mental self-defense is building self-esteem and confidence. And, and I know that sounds so corny, like, (laughs) okay, of course. Right. But, but truly the more you do that, the more you're familiar with yourself, the more it becomes comfortable. Like, okay, I don't feel comfortable in this situation. And I don't care if somebody thinks that I'm being dramatic or X, Y, Z or bitchy or, you know, whatever it is you're afraid people are going to say about you. I don't care because I know this is what's for me. And I know that the people that matter are going to respect that. And again, something I still struggle with, you know, that I still need to work on and remind myself of. And then, you know, let's say you are in a situation like somebody's bringing you a drink or somebody approaches you in public and you don't want to sit and have that conversation. If you can turn to them and just say, Hey, I'm not interested. I'm going to continue on my way by all means. Of course, we're ultimately really kind of working up to that. Now, if that's so physically uncomfortable that you just wouldn't do that, that's also okay. You know, we're works in progress. So what we advise people to do is to find non-negotiable emergency excuses. Now, these emergency excuses don't have to be like somebody's in the hospital. You know, by emergency, it's like, I need to tend to this right now. And by having those thoughts through when you're in the moment, you know, stranger approaches you, you're in a parking lot, whatever it is, you have these thought through so you could just easily use them. You know, maybe it's, 
I'm so sorry. I just remembered that I have an important interview. I have to get to a test. I have to take in the next 20 minutes. I I have to go, you know, it has to happen now. It's non-negotiable. They can't really sit and barter with you or try to, you know, convince you otherwise, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. And I will say, especially if you're traveling internationally, sometimes they just don't Mm -hmm. care, especially if it's somebody that's like trying to sell you something. And you just honestly have to get comfortable with just like walking away or even like, even like, especially if you're traveling, like people that are just like, that they'll just like approach you or like yell something or just like, just literally giving a stern look and then just ignoring them sometimes. And I know it feels Mm -hmm. like bitchy, but it's just like, what it is and it's like honestly like if someone is going to sort of like disrespectfully approach you in these manners or like be very forceful Mm -hmm. they kind of like are getting what's coming to them like you are not at fault for that you know yeah well you know in in so many situations I can't tell you how many girls in our classes will raise their hand and they're like okay, well, you know, what do I do if it's a woman approaching me and she needs like car help, but you know, whatever it is. And it's like, but wait, okay, take a step back. Because if you were a grown woman, number one, I would never go approach a young woman who looks to be like, you know, 18 to 20 Uh, some years old, because I know that I'm probably going to make them uncomfortable. And especially if it was car help, like I'll tell you right now, like if I needed help with my car, I'm not approaching a young woman, you know, I'm going to go call somebody, call AAA, walk into a business and ask for somebody's help who I feel like could actually, you know, help fix my car, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, And uh, on that note, what, like, okay, (laughs) I'm someone, I love having conversations with strangers. Like, I love, I love, Mm -hmm. I don't know, even especially when I'm traveling, like, I love being, I think that's, like, sort of a, a joy of traveling as well sometimes is like being able to meet people, like hear their story. So like, is that bad? Like, should I avoid that altogether? Or like, where, where is the boundary there? Like, can you do that in a way that's like, I don't know, more safe? Or should I just not do that? Cause I don't know if I'm people so fascinating. If I'm like on a train or something, I want to be like, Hey, <laughs> You know? Yeah. No, I, I love this question. Cause I, I'm the same way. Like I, I want to talk to people, you know, you're and to me, I don't know if you have the same thing, but when I'm sitting next to somebody on a plane, I'm like, what are the odds that we're sitting on this plane together right yes. next to each other? We need to have yeah. a conversation, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just totally think like that. So, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong or unsafe. I personally okay. do it. And I've truthfully, I've never had a situation when I've been traveling where I genuinely was like, holy shit, I am unsafe right now. I need to get help. So, you know, when I'm on a plane, when, when you're doing those things and, you know, maybe you can even attest to this. Like I feel like sometimes that actually helps me feel kind of more in control and safe in my environment. And, and you're showing somebody like, I'm not afraid of you. Like I want to talk to you. I would say the one thing to be cognizant of is not sharing precise information with that person. So sometimes, you know, and again, not all the time, I would argue not even the majority of the time, people are typically good, you know, and don't have horrible intentions, but sometimes rarely people will, they'll share very specific information or precise information in order to kind of prime people to get that same kind of information. 
So, you know, specifics I wouldn't share would be where exactly I'm staying, how long I'm staying there, meaning, you know, what hotel, if you're traveling to New York, you know, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. I'm hanging out with friends. I'm so excited for this trip. What do you do for a living? You know, that information isn't necessarily telling somebody, Hey, this is when or where you could find me at a given point in time. So that's kind of the only thing I would refrain from sharing with somebody that you don't know well, and that could even just be an acquaintance. Right. right. I like that. I think that's really good advice. It's, I mean, it's very simple, but again, like it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot in the details, the, th- the things that make you feel safer and, and a bit more in control. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, sort of switching gears a little bit. Uh, so something that I actually, where do I want to start here? Um, I'm going to start here first. I think specifically a lot of, most of my listeners are like, late teens, early 20s, a lot of them are in college mm-hmm. or like seniors in high school. And uh you know, naturally, and I've heard you talk about about this how naturally you are often in sort of like situations where something unsafe could happen like either walking, like I had to walk alone, I had to walk back to my dorm for the year that I was in college. I had to walk I had to walk back home to mm-hmm. my dorm after like a my class ended at like 10 p.m. or something. Something it was like pretty late mm-hmm. um and I had to walk all the way across campus and it's literally like deserted to get to my dorm or like you know, there were there were other examples you gave, like uh, yeah, like Ubering alone, dating apps, um, mm-hmm. and uh, even some people have like late shifts. Right, you know, right, like walking back to your car, even in a parking lot after a late shift. And I'm mm-hmm. curious, like those common, we'll say like those common situations. So like Ubering, walking back from somewhere alone, and uh, like dating apps. Where are we going about safety wrong in those situations? And then what are things that maybe we're not thinking about that can make a difference? I know that's sort of a broad question, but. Yeah, no, I mean, this is one of the biggest things, especially because like you said, you know, we work with a lot of college women who just because of the way that their life is laid out are in these situations a lot, you know, whether it's walking across a college campus, walking into your car, like you mentioned, there's so many situations that we're in where we have to maybe walk alone at night, you know, and, and truthfully, you shouldn't have to avoid those pieces of life just because you're, you know, unsafe. So with this, you know, first of all, I would say, make sure, and this is kind of even going back to what we were just discussing with like precise information but make sure that there is a setting that automatically came on most people's phones. It's called precise location. So on social media, you know, if you're consistently posting, say, every Sunday evening to your feed, if somebody goes and looks at your location tag, even if it's something abstract, like in the clouds, it'll show exactly where you were when you posted. Same goes for your stories. You know, if I posted, I'm in Newport Beach, California, they click it, it'll show exactly where I am. I would just make sure that's turned off because people can use those tools to find out your routines. So in order to turn it off, go to your settings, any app that you have that you'd like to turn it off for. So again, just anywhere you're publicly sharing a location, something like DoorDash, you want them to have your precise location and it's not being publicly shared. So go to settings, go to that app, 
from there, you're going to click location and then make sure the precise location is just toggled off. So it'll still, you know, share your general location. It's just not going to share exactly where you are. So I'd say, you know, do that first just to kind of, again, reduce that fear that maybe somebody could know your routines is easy from there when you're actually in this situation. And I know you kind of touched on this briefly earlier, but so often, and I see this all the time on college campuses, people are so engrossed in their phones or they're making a phone call because they think, Hey, you know, this is going to deter somebody because I have someone, you know, in this situation with me when in reality, you know, if you see that phone up to somebody's ear, more often than not, that perpetrator is going to think, oh, that person's distracted and I can close the gap between them and I easier because they're not as tuned into their environment. Now, if it was middle of the day, same thing, you check your phone real quick, you make a phone call. It's a little different. There's other buffers, you know, namely that it's probably daytime. There's more people around most likely. Yeah. But just having your attention on your environment, not being afraid to have your head up and and kind of being mindful of, you know, if I'm carrying pepper spray, do I have experience with this? Am I thinking through, you know, if it's, is it expired? I know a lot of people will get pepper spray at like 16, then they hit 25 and it's like, wait, hold on. I probably should get some pepper spray. Mine's probably so old. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they last like five years. So you oh, might okay, good, maybe. She might have know, another and, year in her then. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, if you have the spray, it doesn't typically shoot as far or straight. So switching to a gel and again, you're aiming at a small surface area. You have to have experience with it. If you don't have experience with items, could you carry a steel water bottle that you could swing at the side of somebody's head to make them pass out? Do you have a birdie alarm that could set off you know, a loud noise, lights. This actually happened to a girl in Alabama and a guy was stalking her in a parking lot. She set off her car alarm and it totally spooked mm, the guy and he ran I like away. That. So, you know, yeah, just anything to kind of act as a as a deterrent and and always thinking about, you know, like you mentioned, you know, maybe we can't control how dark it is outside or how well lit or not well lit something is or well populated a situation is, but you can always control the amount of space around you. So if you, you know, you're walking on a congested sidewalk by yourself at night and something happens, it's probably going to happen close to that sidewalk where you're in more of a constricted area. And now you have little time to see and respond to that threat. So maybe consider if it's not super busy, you know, walking in the middle of the street where you have a lot of space and a time buffer to see and respond to different things. So, you know, just thinking about these things in a walking with like longer strides, typically, studies have shown actually makes it less likely a, a violent criminal would approach you. Mm. So, you know, strides, longer strides, head up, shoulders back, walk with a purpose. If you're lost, turning your back to something like a wall where somebody, you know, can't approach you from behind, looking it up and then proceeding. Exactly. So yeah. that's, that's a good one. Uh, like that's something I'm very cautious of, especially if I'm traveling somewhere alone. I mean, cause I've traveled a bit alone, like within the U S but not internationally. Um, mm-hmm. But like, not making yourself seem like super confused, like especially if I'm mm-hmm. honestly like anywhere. If I need to look something up on maps, I try and like make it very dis. Like if I'm walking, I mean, like if like I try mm-hmm. and make it sort of discreet, where it's not like 
mm, like, I don't know where I'm going. And like, I'm so confused. Yeah, phone out yeah. here. <laughs> or like, if you're in, if you're in, uh, if you're following like walking maps internationally, like, don't be like this. Like, don't be. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just like, wow, that person has, Bright that screen. person's clearly a Taurus and I could say anything to them. They probably <laughs> believe me. So I would yeah. like something I do often when I travel is I'll, I'll try and memorize the turns. I'll be like, okay, right on blah, left on blah. And I'll try and like go for as far as I can by memory. So I'm not mm-hmm. just like this, like on my phone, like clearly I'm a tourist, you know, just like little things like that. Also, one thing I wanted to mention with the pepper spray, um, don't test your pepper spray indoors. I know that's really a simple thing, but I was with my family and we were in Italy and uh, it was just me, my mom, my sister. So we're all girls. And so we had pepper spray with us and we were like, I feel like we should test this. Like, what if it doesn't work? Don't do that. Um, It's very potent. So that's just a thought to anyone listening. Don't try it indoors. We actually had this girl, she goes, um, she was at Florida State University and we were all talking about pepper spray. And she's like, you know, I actually, my dad had me practice using my pepper spray. So I took it out. And I mean, this is like what in a million, but she like, she went to spray it and part of the spray sprayed back at her. And she was like, test your damn pepper spray. She's Jeez. like, that was like, I mean, it didn't hit her in the eyes. It hit her like right here, but she was like, you know, what are the odds? What if I went to use that in a real situation? I'm up here spraying it and it hits yeah. me in the face, you know, yeah. but it, a pepper spray, you know, that's, it, it really does. It gets co- commonly misused, you know, and if it's windy outside, if it's raining, it's going to affect the way yeah. that that operates and it could hinder the success of that tactical yeah. item. So, you know, just, there's a lot of little things to think about, but again, it's just, you know, kind of dialing it back. Like, okay, where, where would, what, what t- skills would help me feel the most safe? And the more you start doing these little things, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this with traveling, you know, the more you start just kind of walking around with your head up, practicing, talking Mm. to people, those things just become second nature where it's, you don't have to consciously like anxiously think about doing them. It's just kind of ingrained in the way you move about your life. Yeah. And on that note, I just had this thought and, uh, okay. What are your thoughts on headphones? Because, um, I was, I just thought of this, sorry, because I'm, I'm looking at myself with headphones on. What are your thoughts <laughs> on headphones? And I've been actually thinking about this lately because like wearing headphones like this has become like a fashion piece and like people wear yes. over the, and like I do that shit sometimes. And so I'm like, <laughs> I honestly, like sometimes I'm like, I feel like it's a bad idea. Like I'm like very like music in and I'm like, Hey, Clearly, I, like, can't hear anything. Um, And so I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are on that because, like, should people never be listening to music when they're walking? Or is it just, like... I mean, I imagine it would just be, like, gauging the situation again. Like, it's it's just, like, listening to your Mm -hmm. intuition. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like giving blanket statements. I will say that for me, like, I'll go on runs at nighttime with noise-canceling headphones in. Like, all the things you're not supposed to do. But I only do that I live like on a small island of, of older, tired people where there's not right. a lot of high crime rate, you know, and, and I know that if I'm not as tuned in, you know, audibly that I'm extremely paying attention, like paying attention to my environment with my eyes, right. you know, like what's happening around me. If something feels remotely off. I'm going to stop and pop out my headphones. But 
you know, if you're walking by yourself at night and you're feeling freaked out, I mean, really anytime I typically, like, if it's not like I'm not using it to work out, I'm not going to have headphones in just so I can be tuned into my environment. And again, you know, I know people will say, okay, AirPods, though, if you have your hair down, it covers them. Perpetrator wouldn't even see that. And truly, you know, it's more for you feeling in control right. because I mean, the odds somebody's going to randomly come up and, and snag you are pretty yeah. slim. So you have to think about what's going to help you feel most in control. Now, if you're walking through an airport, I know sometimes I'll use it because I don't want to talk to people, right. but I like, I have my head up. I'm still paying attention. So people know that, you know, you can't just as easy, you know, come up behind me or something. So it's really situation dependent. And how are you, if you're going to do it, especially if it's dark outside, how are you going to compensate for that? If that's kind of a non-negotiable for you, that you are going to have music playing, whatever it is, how are you going to compensate so you can still feel safe and be safe in that situation? Mm, yeah. And and I appreciate your, your route of talking about stuff like this, where it's not one size fits all. Because like, for example, I, I, well, before I got injured, I was marathon training earlier this year. Oh, wow. And like, there was just like no way I was going to avoid running at night sometimes. Like I'm having to go on runs so much. Yeah. I work a decent amount and I'm like, I just can't avoid this. And so I'd be going and I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know, this is like everything people always tell me not to do, but I feel pretty safe. And I would, you know, I'd had, I would have headphones in, but I would do like what you said, you know, like looking up, of course, like a few of my girlfriends like have my location like at all times, like they have like that indefinitely location or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yes. uh, it's like a pretty safe area. I would also run like in the street. And I was like, I feel like this is pretty safe. And uh, maybe it's not gorgeously a good idea, but like perfect. But I feel <laughs> like it's not. I feel comfortable. I don't feel like I'm in danger. Yeah. Well, and as long as you have, you know, that level of attention, do, are, are you in San Diego? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought I saw. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it gets hot and sometimes I don't want to go run in the day because yeah. I'm going to absolutely die yeah. out there. So <laughs> catch me at nighttime, but you know, I'm not going to go run on really small sidewalks or trails you know, I'm going to run somewhere that's exposed. Like maybe it's like a boardwalk or like you said, through the street where you do have that level of exposure and truly having space around you is such a buffer because you can see stuff, respond to it. And it is a deterrent because you're out in the mm -hmm. open. But, you know, I, anytime we're talking about this stuff, I do also like to point out that like, especially when it comes to trafficking, there's so many stories that go around, whether it's like running errands, whatever it is, but with stuff like trafficking, people aren't typically coming up and just abducting you at random. Now, obviously it does happen. We see it, especially on right. social media, but sometimes that makes it feel more prominent than it actually is when it, in reality, we're actually typically most vulnerable, especially with trafficking, you know, domestic abuse, sexual assault, stalking with people we know to some yeah. extent. I love so, that point that you made. I do like to, to I say feel that. Like I don't, I hadn't really thought about that until I heard you make that point. I forget if it was social media or podcast, but uh, uh, that's true. I mean, it, it is usually people that you know to some extent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if I have you heard about like the, the zip ties and the yeah. markings on cars yeah. and stuff, it's all yeah. over TikTok no, and that kind beautifully of beautifully viral. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I see these things pop up all the time. And I'm like, if you go look, actually look at like the U.S. trafficking hotline, there isn't a single report of that happening in connection with trafficking from 2015 to 2021, where the available data is that's six years. 
that, you know, markings on cars, abandoned car seats, crying baby noises. A lot of these things are urban legends or they're things that, you know, really do start off with good intent because maybe somebody felt like that was a connection, you know, and maybe it is happening out there, but it just hasn't been reported that people have found there's a connection. I know this happened actually a while ago and they found that typically with the, the zip ties, they said it was more likely that this was in connection with some kind of theft where it was a distraction. You wouldn't be looking, they'd right. steal something from like your purse, your car, you know? So I just think that sometimes it can be so harmful seeing that kind of information. I mean, it's, it's good, but I think that it's important to also buffer those videos with like, okay, but in the large scheme, looking at the big picture, that's, you know, not what's even been recorded. That's been happening. There's not a single report of it, you know, but this is how it does happen. So it is, it's just hard because that's what we're exposed to, especially on social media. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And something I feel like I haven't thought of as much as I probably should is the fact that especially people are doing this regularly. Like if we're talking about trafficking, they're smart Mm -hmm. and generally they're going to find a way to like build trust with you first. It's not going to be like a snatch and dash situation. And I love the way you just said that (laughs) snatch and dash. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean like it, it falls more on like, am I listening to my intuition? If someone seems, uh, if if someone is giving me like a, a dangerous, vibe and like not allowing Mm -hmm. people to isolate you um as opposed to like am I checking my car for zip ties like I feel like and that's something I just I hadn't really thought of until I started looking at your content where I was like yeah it's not just gonna be like I get attacked like generally it's gonna be like hey you know uh like how are you or like can you help me with this thing and like finding a trusting way to like manipulate you essentially yeah absolutely i you know i'm curious because i know that you and like your book is kind of all about this and stuff like different tools you could have in your toolbox mm-hmm. to handle especially just like kind of what we refer to as mental self defense what kind of things have like you found that you think are like the most helpful for Things like building self-esteem or confrontation, sensing the intention of people, trying to like like quiet that feeling of, you know, am I overthinking or overreacting? Like what are tools that you think are like the most beneficial that you've found? Yeah, that's a really good question. I uh, My initial thought is spending more time alone, spending more time alone in a way that is um, mindful whether that is meditation, whether that's journaling, whether that is going for walks and allowing yourself to just like be with your thoughts. And I say that mm-hmm. because the more you spend time with yourself, you know, to to create a trusting relationship with anybody, with, with a friend, mm-hmm. a partner, you spend more time with them. And it's the same thing with yourself yeah. where the more you spend time with yourself, actually present with yourself, not like on your phone, mm-hmm. not just like like music pumping at the gym, like like quiet time with yourself, quality time with yourself, the more yourself, your intuition is going to trust you and you're going to trust it. And I think the more you, when your intuition is telling you to do something, you're going to believe her. Because she's Mm -hmm. helped you in the past, whether that was your intuition was like, not even like a safety situation, but like you need to change your job, you're unhappy, or you need to uh, like 
your intuition is telling you that this is a good idea of you wanting to move to this place and you should go do that. I think the more you build confidence in the relationship with your knowingness and that that feeling of guidance that comes internally, the more it will become natural in emergency emergency situations because you'll you'll your brain will rewire to to default to trusting itself. And so I think it really comes down yeah. to to mindfulness and uh, being intentional with the way you spend time with yourself because you know we are often overstimmed. We've always got stuff. We're always watching something or even like oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like reading. I mean, I love reading, but like sometimes I need there's just like a different level of personal intimacy of just like being allowing yourself to sit soberly in your reality of uh what what you're thinking or what your subconscious is trying to tell you in in whatever way is comfortable like like I'm not saying like everyone needs to like meditate or something cuz some people don't like it but like journaling meditating walking something a quiet activity that allows you to spend real quality time with your knowingness. <clears throat> I love the way you put that with the comparison between when you like get into a relationship, you have a new friend and you spend a lot of time with that person to get to know them. And, and it just, it's, it's really cool. Like just seeing how much these things overlap. Yeah. You know, like you said, the more, you know, yourself, the more you can sense that intention. I know when I first started going out, traveling, teaching these classes, you know, I do most of it all by right. myself. And I remember sitting and just, I mean, three weeks of solitude, where you're like, holy fuck, I want out of this right now. You know, it's like, and all those bad thoughts you've had about yourself just creep in. You're like, are those true? And you really do. You have to sift with them and like sift through them and work with it and figure out who you are. So I I love that piece of advice and just getting to know yourself and trust your intuition. Thank you. And and it's interesting, exactly like what you've mentioned, where usually it's not that complex. It's like simple tweaks that can make you Mm-hmm. a much more empowered individual. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we like to make it complex for some reason, but it really yeah. is like so much of stuff comes back to confidence, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, even just like situationally, if you can just like present confidence and I always tell people that's like the first thing somebody sees and perceives about you. And it doesn't have to be this in your face confidence. Like, I mean, even when we like pop up on the, uh, like our our call together. It's like, you just like, I can sense that you're a very confident person. Like it's just in your demeanor. It's the first thing, whether you're finding new friends, getting into a relationship, walking down the street that people see and perceive about yeah. you. Yeah. And I want to know on that, sorry, I know we're like out of time. I just realized that it's noon. <clears throat> oh no, no worries. Uh, I could talk about this stuff for I know, days. me too. I, I, and I also just find what you do so interesting. I have like so many questions, but I, <laughs> I want to mention too, for anybody listening, if you are a shy person, being loud is not what makes you confident. And I think totally. I think a lot of shy people feel like like they kind of get conditioned to hate that they're that way. And you can mm-hmm. you can exude confidence in silence. If anything, I feel like a lot of people that don't feel like they need to be loud or like have the attention on them or like fill every single gap of silence in a conversation with words, that's confidence. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just want to I want to totally. note that too for anybody listening, if you are shy, that's okay. You can still have a confident aura to you. 
Yeah. It's just like that, like humbled, like, yeah, like you said, like quiet confidence. I feel like that's like you said, honestly, sometimes more of an indicator of like true inner confidence. Right. Sometimes, you know, the people like I I'm, no, we all hear like, you know, check on your friend who's really happy and positive because sometimes those are the most like the people that are hurting the most inside. And I think that sometimes is true for the people that really exude all that confidence exterior on the exterior, right. on the interior. They may not feel that, but they need that, that validation because they don't necessarily have that inwardly. So it's, it really does. It's just because it, it looks a certain way. doesn't mean that that's always what's happening inside. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, can I ask you one more question and then we'll wrap up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Ask okay. as many questions as you want. No, cool. I, I'm, I'm free until one. Okay, so cool. <laughs> ask all the questions. Um, let me see. Where do I, I'm going to like switch gears a little bit, but I, I'm going to go with this one because I feel like this is very relevant to anybody listening. I think specifically, I would like to, just because you are working with like specifically sorority girls often. Um, mm-hmm. And when alcohol is involved, it changes the the dynamic a little bit. And so what are some of the stuff that you teach as far as safety in a bar or at a party, or even like if you've been going out with somebody and uh, like, because I've, I mean, I feel like some of like the, situ- where my friends have gotten in bad situations where it's like, they feel like they trust somebody, they've been going out with somebody and they go back to their house and then they're also drinking at their house. I don't know. I, I just feel like it adds such a layer that can be, like, I don't think you need to be fearful, but I think you just need to be careful. And so I'm curious, like, what what you tell college students around when you're in an environment that, or like alcohol is present, like how to mm-hmm. be safer because you are, your senses are different. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I could, I could spend so much time on this topic because it really is so important. And I think that this is really one of those, those environments that we hear so many black and white answers on. You know, somebody gives you a drink, don't accept it. It's not safe. But then you put yourself in that situation. I've done it before where somebody gives me a drink. I don't know them very well. I'm like, oh, free drink. I've been drinking already. It's, you know, I'm not thinking as logically sometimes. So it's, you know, the way we, we really like to approach it is, okay, but if if I am in that situation, if I do take the drink and maybe I, yeah, it's not necessarily your safest bet, but let's say that I've still done that. How can I still be safe in that situation? Mm-hmm. And I think number one, first and foremost, again, like I know all of this stuff really does kind of connect to confidence, right. but really, you know, trying to build that inner confidence. So when you're in situations, if you know, it's not right for you, you don't hesitate to be able to put your foot down. If again, that's uncomfortable having those excuses, whether somebody's at your house, whether you're at a bar, you know, what's my, what's my escape route. If I don't feel comfortable here, can I text something to a friend? Is it something I do with my hand, you know, making sure you're going out. And I've, I've gone up before with people that I knew kind of tend to leave me at the end of the night, love them to death, but that's just they're not the people that are those ride or die till the end of the night. And, and I've had to learn to make sure I'm going out with at least one of those people that I know will have my back, even when drinking is involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are you tuned into each other? How can you escape a situation? What excuses can you use if somebody does give you a drink? And yes, yeah, it's not the most safe. Truthfully, it's very hard to tell if your drink has actually been spiked. Yeah. So, you know, could I, pretend that let's say it's a margarita, you know, and I go to smell it and I'm like, Ooh, 
that's just really strong. Will you have the first sip to make sure it's not too strong? I, I bad experiences with tequila. And yes, you know, is one sip really going to do something to that person? Probably not, but you're going to most likely see some hesitation from them to have a sip if they do know that they right. put something in it. It's, it's not a perfect response by any means. I mean, you could also just, you know, take the drink, be walking around, accidentally spill it. You could tell them you don't want it, you know, tell them that you're, you have a blood test tomorrow, you're on antibiotics, you can't drink it. I mean, there's so many different things that you could use to completely avoid drinking it. That's, you know, just a little extra layer of safety. If you're going on a date with somebody, same thing, you know, you don't want to leave your drink unattended. This stuff really does actually happen pretty often. So, you know, just trying to make sure that your drink isn't left exposed, maybe even you're turned into a conversation, pick up your drink, have that conversation with that person, finish it before going to the bathroom. As weird as it is, take it with you to the bathroom, you know, whatever you have to do, get a new one when you come back to try to not leave it unattended. I know we work with a company called Nightcap and I think they're incredible. It's a brother and yeah, brother and sister that started it. They have those little scrunchies that go over. They have like, um, like stickers you can put over your drink. They have like straws on keychains. I would definitely encourage checking them out because they're, I just, I love what they do. Um, but yeah, you know, and I think that again, so much of it comes down to those excuses. If we don't feel comfortable addressing these situations, I always tell girls, if you're, you know, I know you mentioned kind of using dating apps. If you're going on a date, first of all, there's so many red flags that you can see on that profile first and Mm. foremost, or research, you know, can I verify what I see on their profile or what they've told me with what I find on the internet? Everybody has an internet trail that is in our generation, you know, and, and, you know, if they're lying about little things, why, you know, what else could they lie about if they care to lie about these little stupid Mm -hmm. things? So doing kind of that due diligence beforehand, again, so many things I could touch on with the profile thing, but once you're going on the date, you know, is it an environment that you know, well, have you been here before? If you needed Mm. to get out, if you needed to drive away in your car quickly, do you know those roads? Just kind of thinking those things through. Could you walk into it and say, Hey, you know what? One of my friends is meeting up with their ex and this person is explosive. I don't know how it's going to go. I might get a phone call and have to go help them. You're priming that you might get a phone call. If you feel uncomfortable on that date and need to leave, if you need to, to make it feel more comfortable, if your friend, you know, fakes a phone call to get you out of the situation So a lot of it's in the prep work. How do you feel the most safe in that situation? Mm -hmm. And how can we have that backup plan if something doesn't go as planned? Yeah. Yeah, And I I like the idea of, because I'm thinking of like some dates that I've been on where like I was in like a totally foreign area or like like, Mm -hmm. uh, doing some sort of activity that like I've never, not like bad, but just like stuff I like, things I haven't like tried before or whatever. Yeah. And, and I like, I think that's smart, especially if you don't know somebody that well, like opting for an environment that you feel like you are empowered in. And uh, yeah, I think dating apps specifically, I mean, I, for the most part, I feel like, like we've said earlier, often it's the people that you no, or like friends of mine, a friend of mine did have, you know, a bad situation happen with somebody she she went on, she met through a dating app, but it was after they'd like gone out a few times and there was like more trust mm-hmm. bill. And it was just like, and she was like, I knew he was a little bit like weird, and I just didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, I mean, again, just like intuition, 
allowing yourself to call the shots and like letting yourself make other people uncomfortable because your safety comes first. And if you're unsafe, be a bitch, like whatever. Like you could even, if you feel really unsafe, like don't even make an excuse, just leave. Like you don't owe anybody anything. If someone's going to make you feel unsafe again, like they kind of had that like coming to them, like, Oh, well, (laughs) 100%. Like you, you, you have to be your, your biggest advocate, you know, and that's truthfully like what we're working towards. And I think that the hard thing is there's so many people that just feel so like physically uncomfortable with confrontation and like it's scary. being assertive. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, use these tools. And honestly, the more you use these tools, and even if it's like you get your, your Starbucks order is wrong, you know, go up and confront that situation because the more you start to do it, the more you get comfortable working up to that point where you don't feel comfortable around somebody. And you're like, no, I don't want to go point blank. Like there's like end of, end of story, you know? And a lot of this stuff, like, I went into college, especially with this idea that, or this feeling that I was like invincible because of my training and I made so many stupid mistakes. So like, I don't speak from a place of perfection. I speak from a place of like, I've done all the things. Like I went on a night hike with some random person on a dating app as our first date. Like, you know, I've I've done done, things. So, you know, it's trial and error sometimes, but it's, it's a wild world out there. That's for sure. Yeah. And, um, I, I was actually just thinking the same thing where it's like, uh, you know, I'm saying like, yeah, I, like I always, ha- I'm confident and I handle these situations, but there's definitely been times where it's like, like, I remember I went out with a guy, um, and we were at a bar and he was like being overly touchy and I was super uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. but it was like, I, w- I felt super conflicted. Cause I was like, but like, he's so interesting and nice. So like, I, like, I hate this like weird vibe that you're giving off because I like, I wanted mm-hmm. to enjoy this. And yet I found myself like enduring it for an additional 30 minutes to an hour when I very much could have just been like, you make me uncomfortable. I'm leaving. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like, we're not always going to handle stuff perfectly. and um that's okay. And, and we learn as we go. But uh, at the end of the day, as long as you can know, I did, I did leave early, but I didn't leave like, we were anyways, we were supposed to like go do something after and I was like, I'm going home. Uh, But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, like you learn as you go and and naturally, you're probably not going to do the best thing every time. But as long as you can like really know where like, your major like, boundary no-nos are and trying and Mm -hmm. sticking with those listening to that intuition like you'll be good especially for anybody listening to my podcast like y'all are some pretty intelligent individuals like I'm not too worried about you I don't think you need to live in fear a lot of you are very intuitive and uh yeah I mean I think it's just a matter of the more the more you experience new environments the more comfortable you're going to get yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that you like bring up such a good point too. Sometimes you don't even know like where your boundaries are until sometimes unfortunately they've been a little bit like pushed up yeah. against and it's like okay, now I know like that's a hard boundary for me and now that I've been there, I know how I felt. What what like plan am I going to make to how I would respond in that situation so that I can, you know, respect that boundary for myself. Yeah. So I I like the way that you yeah. did that. Thank you. 
And to wrap up here, I do rapid fire questions. But before I hop into that, is there any last like piece of advice you would want to give or share to anyone that's around like high school, early 20s? <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I think there's so much information out there about safety and self-defense. I think all of it is really created with such pure intent. But I think that, again, it's not all one size fits all. It doesn't make you an unsafe person if it's not for you to go like take regular classes. If you can do it, do it. But so much of it really does boil down to self-esteem and confidence and just kind of how you show up every day. And it's not going to be perfect like we just talked about, but just working on that. Like how, like what kind of life do I want to create for myself? What things serve me? What things don't, and don't feel, you know, burdened by wanting to maybe cut certain people out or put set boundaries with different people that just aren't serving you and aren't right for you. And I think that just approaching self-defense and safety with that in mind, self-esteem, confidence, and really taking a keen eye to what you're seeing on social media and making sure we're researching stuff. Like I might see a TikTok about something this person might seem credible. Shit, it could be one of my videos, you know, but I'm going to also make sure that I go do some added research for myself to make sure that I know exactly what's going on out there, what I you know, maybe don't need to fear as much the things that are actually happening and how I can truly prep yeah. myself for, you know, what I'm most likely to actually encounter throughout my yeah. life. Yeah, I like that. Just the takeaway of like one size does not not fit all. And especially being weary of like where you're taking advice on the internet. Because like even like you said, like some of the advice I share might be irrelevant to you and like gauging like what actually fits for your life, your situations, and your background specifically. Sorry, my throat's kind of dry. Yeah, no, I mean, I know there's, no, you're good. I know there's some people that like, you know, see like, especially even like our alcohol or dating safety stuff. And they're like, well, just don't go on the date or just don't accept the drink. And it's like, yes, you know, 100% ideally, but there are people that myself included that it, where it's not that black and white mm-hmm. sometimes. So there is kind of that gray area of safety and self-defense, but that may not be for everybody, you know? So just really kind of, again, like you mentioned, you know, getting in touch with yourself, what serves you, what kind of information pertains to the way you live your life? How are you going to make sure that you are safe in a way that, you know, suits you, if that yeah. makes sense? Yeah. Perfect. I think it's a beautiful way to, I think we came very full circle and I, yes. uh, to wrap up, I want to do my not so rapid, rapid fire questions. Perfect. <clears throat> so I'll start with a more fun one. What is the best thing you've bought that was under a hundred dollars? Okay, I saw this question on the prep questions, and I cannot tell you how long I spent. <laughs> I was like scavenging like my travel bag. I'm like, that's what a like, lot of people say. A hundred dollars. You know, I honestly, this is kind of maybe like a little stupid, but like my Lululemon fanny pack. I swear to God, it is like. The biggest saving grace when I travel, I, like, I just like wear it right here with all of like my cards, keys, everything in it. I'd say probably yeah, that. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I recorded an episode yesterday and she said like lubricating eye drops. She's like, I get dry eyes. And That's she was amazing. like, I don't know why I didn't buy them before, but they like literally changed my life. That's amazing. I know. I was going to say my false eyelashes. I have like no eyelashes. So I put on false eyelashes for every class, like any, any event. Yeah. So I was, that was one of my, my close seconds. I like it. <laughs> Second question is what is a song that you've had on repeat lately? 
Okay, so I just discovered the song Violet in my car, and it was just such a banger. I was like, I've been Violet. listening literally on repeat. Like, I'm one of those people that it's by um, Connor Price and Killa. Oh, I like Connor and Price. I, like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, it's like, I, like I'm one of those people that like I find something I like. It could be food. It could be a song, and I devour it till the death. And then I'm like, I can never hear that song That's again. So funny. <laughs> I just, I just saved it. Perfect. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> Is and then going to like a little bit of a deeper question, is there a particular dark day mm-hmm. in your journey that stands out and how did you get through it? You know, it's this was another one of those where I was like kind of thinking through there's there's so many different stages of my life. I would say the most recent mm-hmm. one, kind of going back to what I know I mentioned earlier, you know, being on my trips, there was just such a change in my life. And I remember two years ago, I had come off of a trip and I was just going through personal stuff and, you know, friend groups. And I think sometimes it was, it was hard for me because when I'm traveling, it's like three weeks on a week home, two weeks traveling, you know, a couple days home. So when I would come back, I just felt so disconnected from my friends, from my life here. My boyfriend lives like an hour away, sometimes an hour and a half. So I'm just all over the place. And I came back and I will never forget. It was a Friday and my friends were busy, like kind of those go-to people. My boyfriend was busy. And I was like, I just kind of started to get super anxious. And I was like, I don't even know why. And all these like thoughts kind of creep mm-hmm. in sometimes. And I literally ended up buying myself a flight home to my family in Washington that night. I was like, I just need to be with family. I need to be with people that like, like I honestly, I just want to be like hugged. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to be taken care of right yeah. now. And I'd say that's probably the most like relevant yeah. one. Yeah. And I think that's, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I uh, I find myself feeling that way sometimes as well. And sometimes I tend to default to like, why are you acting so weak? Like, like mm-hmm. get it together. You're like an adult woman. And, uh, yeah. and I just don't think that's fair. Like at the end of the day, like we all, like our inner child wants to be hugged. We want to be in an environment that feels like home. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that feeling stays regardless of how old you get. Um, and you have moment like you have <clears throat> just like you overthink, like you just, it's such, they're all just like such human tendencies and things that I don't think we need to feel shame around. Yeah. And I remember I like, I went outside to try to go for a walk. I tried to like read a book and I just felt so anxious. And I was like, I just like, I need to be around people right now. I need to be around people that know me and love yeah. me and support me and and it, it, it's truly, you know, it's as much as, and I'm sure you can attest this with what you do in sharing your story and these tools publicly. It's like, but you know, then you kind of get in this weird phase where you're like, wait, but I'm still struggling with this right now in this moment. Right, like exactly. I, wow. I'm like, not, I, I teach this, but I'm still struggling and I still need to be hugged and be taken care of sometimes. Yeah, Cause I'm literally a human being. And uh, yes. like, regardless of how, <laughs> how good your emotional skills get, get like you're still going to get anxious. You're still going to need community because we need community. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I love that. And then let's see, fourth, yeah, fourth question. What piece of advice do you give others that you often have a tough time taking yourself? That one definitely goes in conjunction with the last one there. I... 100%. I, I mean, I stress this throughout my entire self-defense class. I teach with college girls to stop giving a shit what the wrong people think. And as much as for me, it's very easy with people that don't know me personally. When I've 
met somebody, become friends with them. And maybe it's outgrowing that friendship. Maybe it's me thinking that they think a certain way or feeling misunderstood. That is like the hardest thing for me. And my initial tendency is to go over explain myself, Mm -hmm. like, like talk a problem to death because I, I hate feeling misunderstood or like somebody felt like I was intentionally trying to hurt them. And I just, yeah, that, that for me is definitely something that I, it's, I've improved on, but I'm, I'm definitely probably always going to be working on that one. Yeah. I, I would probably give the exact same answer. (laughs) Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just, especially people that I like, if I'm outgrowing people, I just like, like one of my biggest fears, like disappointing people that I love and whether I, you know, you Mm -hmm. can still love people and have them like not need to be as present in your life anymore. And it's just, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, it's it's also hard when it's like, I just think the the whole idea of like, I've outgrown somebody. It's like, like, I'm not like better than that, you know? And it's almost like puts you in this position where it's like, like that I think for me is hard to grapple with, but it's like, I've just, I've grown in like such a different direction than maybe other people. Like I have some friends right now that found a career that they absolutely love and they're thriving in it and they're ready for marriage. Some of them already have kids. Some of them already are married, but I'm, I'm not in that phase. You know, I've grown a different direction and my sole focus right now is my career and my purpose. And, and it is, it's a really uncomfortable thing. Like if people don't understand that or they don't understand what my day in day out looks like, or, you know, I'm sure again, you totally understand this. It's like, you can't, you know, beat it to death until they get you. It's just sometimes there has to be boundaries set and, you know, you have to pull away from certain people and it's uncomfortable, especially when you feel like they're, they're upset with you for it or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I totally sympathize with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then to end on uh, a little bit of a lighter question, what book contributed most to the mindset you have today? And if you're not really like a reader, it could be like a piece of advice or a song or a movie. Yeah, so I... I love to read, but I'm kind of like right now in a phase of like, I like to read fiction, mystery, thriller type books. Yes. But I I went through a phase, especially like I, you know, back when I was in college, uh, summer after my junior year, I like lived in Mexico as a nanny for three months and like got drunk, passed on to the beach, had all of my things stolen and was like, wow, I need to get my shit together. So I stopped drinking. I like leaned hard into like self-help books and stuff. And I actually, there was this book that I had to read for school. It's called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And I probably would have never picked it up had it not been for school, but it like light question, deep answer, but it just is one of those books. It's like, it makes you think of the entire human existence in such a different light. And sometimes when I'm like journaling or writing, like I'll sit there and I'm like, I'll come back to it. I'm like, okay, I'm like human existence in and of itself is so insignificant, but we give meaning to it. Right. You know, I'm like, I have a very small time. We think that like our lifespan is this huge thing. The whole world revolves around us when in reality, we're just a small little blimp on a larger yeah. span of existence. And like, how am I going to optimize that to leave some kind of impact or a legacy and make the world better than how I found it. And it just, that book is like the most insightful, well, completely like fuck you up mentally in the best way so i yeah i know i wouldn't have read it if it weren't for school so i highly encourage people to read it yeah thank you i i actually have not heard of it and i I feel like i've heard of a lot of books specifically that are like spirituality or like self-help interesting i'll have to look into it thank you yeah 
Yeah. If you, and if you can like, I, I strongly encourage you to read it. If you can read it with somebody at the same time to talk about the ideas you find, cause it's a dense book mm. and it is literally like, I remember walking across campus, like what the fuck is my life yeah. right now? Like it just, it, well, it messes with your brain in the best way. So having somebody to kind of like flush it out mm. with is, I highly I like recommend. That. That's, that's, that's good. I feel like I honestly should do that more. Like, I feel like especially when I'm reading like very like information heavy books, like having somebody to talk with, I feel like would be really fun. I don't know why I've never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to start a book club, I will, Dude, I will participate. Literally, I did a, I did a <laughs> like international book club in uh 20, what year did I start that? 2021. 20, and I just did it. Like i I sent it out to like my community and I was like, hey, I'm doing a book club. And we did like a different book every week. And it was so fun, even though like, I mean, I think we had like a hundred people in the book club, but only like, only like, like five people would show up to our meetings or like eight, but it was so fun. And honestly, I kind of liked like the intimacy of it. And I've been, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe I'll do that, do that again. Cause I love a good a good book club, especially if people are like actually reading it. Cause I know sometimes I feel like people form book clubs and it like falls apart. <laughs> totally. No, I will be, if you, if you do it, I'm your, I'll be your number one participant. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm so here yeah. for that stuff. Especially when I'm traveling. Cause it's like yeah. being able to actually do something and like be like speaking to people is like a wow factor yeah. for me. Yeah. And I, I also just want to note that like, I think it's very cool that you've like spent all this time traveling and like teaching these skills because I know when you're like going about something like this it can be very isolating and uh Mm -hmm. especially like yeah like adding travel on top of that like that's I'm sure it's fun but like when you know you get back home to your hotel room and you're just like I'm just alone a lot I just Mm -hmm. I appreciate that and I appreciate what you're doing and and I appreciate like having someone that's also specifically teaching these things to young people because I feel like again, like the sooner, you know, the better and people need to, people need to know this stuff. So thank you. I'm super pumped to see you've reached the end of the podcast. Not only because you hung out with me and our guests, but because you took the time to better your lives with the stories and advice shared on this podcast. And if y'all would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, that would seriously mean the world to me. And if something in the podcast really sparked an aha moment for you, please share it with those you love and get a conversation going because I truly believe that that is where the magic happens. So keep learning, seizing the moment, and intentionally creating your life. Thanks for listening and I hope to have you back soon.